The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. That was really calm and easy, that win. Yeah. And I'm not sure I'm not sure I like this not stressful just win a game, piece of piss, don't really have to concentrate. Watching the game, Leeds score, get in, Leeds second goal, get in. Last ten minutes, I didn't even nearly have a heart attack once. No, I, I, I quite enjoyed the experience, and I'm sure Liam Cooper's never touched a football so much in his life as he did in those last 20 minutes. Yeah, passing it around the back, piece of piss. Uh, so, yeah, that was a nice and calm. So maybe this episode, episode 106 at Mike White's podcast, will also be calm. You'd hope so. I mean, I can't imagine there's going to be much alarmist behaviour right now. Yeah, how, you, how are we meant to get worked up about being 10th? Oh, the next game's in London. Ah, uh, uh, that's plenty to get uh, worked up about. So, yeah, episode 106 at Mighty White's podcast. I'm Jack, as always, joined by KC. Hey, how are we doing? Uh, and, yeah, we'll get straight into it. Leads to Crystal Palace nil. My first question is, other than West Brom away, is that the easiest game but we, is that the least stressful game in like two years? It's, yeah, it's got to be up there. Maybe Hull away. Hull away was when we won. That was pretty calm. Yeah, but I think I think there was kind of the expe- expectation with Hull for us to smash them because of how bad they were. Like, like kind of after the game. I was mildly disappointed that it was only 2-0. Well, it should have been more. Uh, obviously, We'll come on to the goals in a bit, but we might as well mention it. It definitely should have been more. I mean, I think Pascal Strauch had an, had an XG of like 1.3. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, when he, he, when he put two, that header wide, yeah. I just laughed. Not the, the first one was too high for him. So, fair enough, that happens. But... The, the second one, the, the sort of half that I won't call it a diving header, it was more stooping. And mm. then he chucked himself over, and the header from the corner. Between them two, you have to score one of them. <laughs> the, uh, the, diving, the diving header had memories of uh, Paul Beasley's attempt at a diving header where he basically sends it back to the corner flack. Nice reference for the kids there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you don't know who Richard Jobson and Paul Beasley are, it's for the best. You'll be fine. Um, yeah. It's knowledge like that that saw you still not even make the top 100 of the uh, athletics quiz. I, d- I dipped in and out briefly. <laughs> dipped a toe in, thought, I don't like this. Back to, I need to be more mid-table. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, that is the one thing I'll... And I don't forget, I don't blame the players for kind of easing up when there was very little pressure on them to play at a high tempo in those last 20 minutes to just for them to just keep the ball and, and keep it moving and, and occasionally get upfield. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought our Palace team were, were particularly poor. 
yeah, I thought that the Palace team were really bad. It wasn't just... It's not like a complete lack of ability, because obviously Eze is on the pitch, he's a good player. Mateta, from what I've seen in from the Bundesliga, looks like a decent player. Ayu's got some ability. Riedewald's a good player. But there was just no effort to try and get back into the game. I mean, Leeds, Leeds got one nil up after... Was it three or four minutes? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think it's three minutes. You know, and it was good pressing, wins the ball back out of the pitch, little Dallas pass inside, Harrison, decent strike, deflected in. It's one, a very run-of-the-mill goal. One of the only about four games I've not backed Jack Harrison to score first I as me- well. I was going to message you, actually, as soon as it went in. But I suppose I the only times we win 3-1 is when I don't back it. It's just the way it works. Yeah. But like they were 1-0 down from the third minute, and they were 2-0 down for 40 minutes. And at no point did they come out of the shell and have a go. No, the, I mean, there was there was very few times I remember Eze getting on the ball and, and causing us any problems. You know, Townsend came on and I think he had one effort and that was about it. Um, no, I, I just, there was, if I was a Palace fan, I'd, I'd be very upset because there was, I couldn't think of a single positive to take out of that game. Not, not from their point of view. I suppose the, a positive to come out of that game, I suppose Gary Cahill's relatives will be due some inheritance because he is dead now. He is uh, absolutely uh, dead, has, murdered on the floor. That man has children. <laughs> has and, I feel, and I feel sorry for those children because it must be horrible to lose a parent at such a young age. But <laughs> I'm afraid that he is dead. <laughs> I did ask someone the question like, if you've got kids, and especially with Gary Cahill at his age now, he, he, I, I, and I don't know, but you could potentially have kids that are kind of seven, eight, nine, who who fully understand the concept of what happened and are just rinsing him for it. Yeah, that'd be the worst, actually, if they're sort of seven, eight, because they'll know enough to take the pace. Your dad got absolutely rinsed on the football pitch. But the kids will have enough of a concept of money to yeah. be able to say, he's a Premier League footballer and a former England international. What you I never have to do anything as long as I live. <laughs> yeah, your dad got absolutely roasted roasted the other night. Yeah, but he's on 80 grand a week, isn't he? So what are you going to do? Like, Yeah, yeah. See he took tomorrow. a pay cut to be on 80 grand a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that will start to be a bit more chronological. The first goal we've mentioned... Uh, it's a good it's a good strike from Harrison, but he don't go in without the deflection. But we would do something like that. And over this game, we more than made up for that bit of luck by missing other chances. Uh, I really liked the second goal. The, the clearance out, good pressure from Phillips. But after it's good pressure on the initial clearance from Bamford, good pressure from Phillips to win it back. Click, good his pass through to Rafinha were really well weighted. Really good strike from Rafinha. Uh Obviously, Gwaita's Gwai- a bit unlucky because that's a pretty good save to save the Ravinia effort. But Bamford, who was out right on the wing at the start of the run, overtakes two Palace defenders sprinting into the box, which just, it's a level of commitment and stuff that they just don't have and our players do. And it's an easy enough finish. Like, it was, it's hard to believe, but it was actually easier than the one he skied in the first half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was just a, it was just a nice goal, and I'm delighted for Bamford scoring against them because the time he had there was clearly fucking miserable. Yeah, 
Um, I'm glad for him as well to get a goal at Ellen Road because I think it's one of those things that people make quite a bit of that he's not scored that many at home. Um, and it's, what was it, his 100th career goal? Was it a league goal? Uh, 100th career goal, I think it was, yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, very happy for him. Um, I I am starting to... it. I'm starting to wonder if Sky ever ask for anyone else for a post-match interview. If he does anything, he's going to get asked every time because he's the, the way that they describe it in the media is he's good value. Yeah. He always says something, and even if he doesn't say anything, he's just such a nice guy that people will stick around to watch him get interviewed. Which yeah. Doesn't happen to, it doesn't I mean, happen to many players, but it does with him. Yeah, the takeaway from from this one being, if anything else, he made himself captain for fantasy football this week. I I don't know whether all of that is actually true or whether he's just playing into it because of last time. But no. I, like, one thing I, that, I would like it to become a running theme now of just asking Pat Bamford about his fantasy team every week. Yeah, but the problem is if he's talking about the fantasy team, there's going to be that one time where he goes, well, you know, we won 3-1, and I was glad they got one, because I've got him in my fantasy team. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the world will explode. Um, the goals weren't really the story in this game. We scored two goals, but it was just the level of dominance in this game. We, but It wasn't just that we were better than them. It was, they were barely playing the same sport. We said, well, Strout could have had a couple and should have had at least one. Bamford should have had another one. As as nice a strike as it was from Harrison that one late on, he should hit the target with that. <laughs> he's under yeah, no he, pre- he's under no pressure. Eighteen yards out, he absolutely laces that for for, for where he is. He he absolutely hits that for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I know it was stoppage time, and they. I mean, they wouldn't have scored if we'd have played for two weeks. No, uh, and it wasn't just that they put on no. They put on no pressure. And both Cooper and Strauch had really good games. Especially Liam Cooper. I thought Cooper was really good in this game. Yeah. Again, like I said, just he, the amount of time he spent on the ball would have been a training exercise for him anyway with his uh, distribution. But yeah, he, he looked... I think I said this for the last couple of weeks, actually, that he's, he's looking more and more like a Premier League defender now. Hmm. Um, you know, there was that I think there was that phase through... December where he, he had quite a few shaky moments and, and yeah, there's still a few issues with marking it at set pieces. But for the most part, I, th- I think he's now showing the skill set of a Premier League defender. He's, you know, he's, I think he's got enough speed to deal with with most issues outside of a Jamie Vardy. Um, his positioning's getting better. His tackling's been fantastic. Um, and just overall, I think he's competing more. Yeah, he's. I thought that this was. I think this was probably his best Premier League game. He might. He might have had another one that I'm forgetting. But even though he wasn't, it wasn't that he was tested that much defensively. But whenever the ball went near him, he just seemed in complete control of it. And in possession, his passing was really good throughout. He never. There's normally a sloppy one that can put us in trouble and I think the closest we had I think it was Cooper that played it to strike when he slipped and nearly fell over and let him in mm. I think that's the only one and that one is fault so I just I just thought it was really good throughout uh, the other great thing from this game was Mateus Click looked like Mateus Click again which yes he was you know he was given 
But bearing in mind they they only really played um, one up top for this because we did we did discuss whether they were going to go four four two or, yeah, or sticking one up top. But I cannot believe they switched to one up top. I know they were missing Zaha, but playing four four two caused us all kinds of problems at Sellers Park. And then they picked two strikers and didn't play two up front. Played yeah. Ayew as a number 10. Just to make it so it was so much easier for Calvin Phillips to play against him. Yeah, and, and, to, and to be honest... like baffling. Yeah, and there was no link-up play between between those two either. And and I thought, um, I thought Click was, despite the fact they were only playing one up top click found so much room in midfield very you know very rarely was he, he having to rush his anything um, no he had a he did have a lot of space like I mean for that second goal I know it was a breakdown of play that got us the ball high up the pitch but I mean click gets that ball and turns and there's nobody within 15 yards of him yeah and in that position that's pretty criminal especially when you've dropped IU in so you are playing Four two three one. So in theory, you've got two deep midfielders, and neither of them were there. It was a. I can't believe I, it's almost like Roy Hodgson went out of his way to make it easier for us in this game. But I think that with the relative levels of performance, I think we'd have won no matter what the formations were and stuff. Oh yeah, if they, if they go out like, if they go out like that again with a four four two, I, I still can't see him causing us any problems. So the 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 forward said so little effect on their play anyway that they were, you know just distribution wise they weren't seeing much anyway they weren't closing down um and, and to be like even it's it's bad enough when you see Bashwai come on as a sub and he's given up closing down with 10 minutes left like he was only on for half an hour yeah, it might have even been less than that. He was so ineffectual that I can't remember when he came on. But it was yeah. they had they had so little to offer. Um, obviously, we mentioned Click and Cooper being really good. Everyone was pretty good in this game, to be honest. Like there was no one who was below par, but one man stole the show. Uh, and I don't really, you know, we're not going to say. We're not going to do what Patrick Bamford did, for instance, and basically try and sell him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Rafinha, uh, I I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> he is absolutely outstanding. Like there is, I don't think I've been, I don't think there's been a Leeds player who's had me this excited whenever he gets the ball. Ooh. No, probably, the, probably since as much as I hate him, as uh, probably since Kewell at his peak. I was going to say since David Norris, but when you say excited, I'm I'm taking that a different way. Yeah, that was you know him and Shane Higgs. Those. Were... Oh, um, no, he, he is one of those. One, I know it kind of gets thrown around a lot, but he's he's the sort of player that does make you get out. You see when you're watching him, and when you see him, uh, you know making moves like he did on on Gary Cahill. Um, there's very few players I can think of in, in recent history where you, you kind of expect them to, to do stuff like that. And, you know, as as many terrible, terrible, terrible players as we've had in the last 16, well, I'll even include the last couple of years in the Premier League, the last 18 years, 
there, there, there has obviously been some good, you know, wingers in there when you look at the likes of Snoddy and, and Gradle. Um, but even those players didn't have sort of that unpredictability about them that Rafinha does or that expectation he was just going to do something that you couldn't foresee happening. Um, so, yeah, like you say, it's you've got to look a long way back, I think, for someone as, as unpredictable as he is. Yeah, it's not just that he's got all the flash and the skill. It's that he also has sort of a determination to him. Like, his tracking back isn't always the best. He does sometimes switch off. But his tracking back never goes to pot because of a lack of effort. Mm. Like he, he ran like fuck up and down that right-hand side, making sure that he was in the right positions. And he, he, he wants to be involved. There was one bit where Leeds were passing ball around the back and he ran back like 45 yards to just get the ball off the centre-backs. Because he was like, no, we're not doing this. I, I'm not involved with you doing this. <laughs> so, like, a lot of people pointed it out. I didn't notice it at the time. But when his shot got saved by Guaita and Bamford scored the rebound, he barely reacted to the rebound going in. No, he's, he's very... It's the one thing I love is... I don't think it got mentioned on the square ball, but basically his death stare. Like, he doesn't... When he goes down, he doesn't throw a fit or anything like that. He just has this look of anger, like, how dare you stop me? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to come to your house and make I'm going to fuck and I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to fuck the place up like <laughs> I'm not going to say anything and then I'll just walk away. Yeah no I just I just think he's brilliant. I watch him now and like this is where the problem comes in. There, do, there is that fear. Are we ever going to get to actually see him play? Um I really hope so. I I like to think so because I think I think we're at least in a position now where minimum I can see him leaving for 35, 40 million. I reckon more than that, easily more than that, as a minimum. Yeah. The, the only reason if he was, was, was twenty, if he was twenty in the summer, his value was at least doubled. The I, the only reason I say that now as well is I know we've obviously had the investment from the 49ers group, but I'm, I'm saying that now in a period where it is still unclear as to when there is going to be fans coming back in. Yeah. So I think you can get players, uh, I'm not saying a lot cheaper, but slightly cheaper now. But yeah, uh, you know, realistically, I think you'd, you'd be looking between 40 and 50 million. Yeah. like I, I mean, I reckon that we... At the very least, we should be able to get two seasons out of him. But if he keeps playing this well, then there is always a chance that someone will just come in with a shitload of money and and, and be a point where you can't say no to it, just logically. But God, I want us to keep him forever. That's I just fine. think L- I Liverpool just, are going to sign him for Liverpool are going to sign him for fifteen million, and he become and he can become the new Divock Origi. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Like, I. I know that it's not a major publication that wrote that, but I write, I'm editor for a not major publication, for a small publication on the internet. If we got, if we were, oh, I'll tell you what, that Thomas Socek at West Ham, he's playing really well. Leeds are going to sign him in the summer for five million. Like, 
you should get ripped out of the shit down here for that completely. And I mean, they did, in fairness, but they were like, well, that's the price that we saw. And I know what they did. They went on fucking transfer marks and just wrote down player value. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's it's just something that they can do. But the other thing that makes no sense is they said, oh, 15 million plus, and they put it in the headline. Put 40 in the headline. More people will click on 40. <laughs> <laughs> They, they're doing themselves out of clicks by un, underselling his price so much. I've been trying to find an article actually. Somewhere. I saw it and, and again, and I, and I had to take the uh, postings of some ramblers in the uh, All Leads Out We Facebook group with uh, a massive handful of salt. Hmm. But someone posting they'd read an article saying that uh, Rodrigo was the highest earner, earning up to 150 grand a week. And then Helder Costa was next. You know, when you're reading something like, oh, mm. that doesn't sound right. It's not impossible, though. Uh, the, the Helder Costa on 70 grand a week was, uh, I was going to say, sketchy at best. If they're saying up to 150 for Rodrigo, if that, that could include all bonuses and stuff, it could be that Helder Costa made that much basically after the Fulham game. I think that's what Helder Costa's worth a year. Yeah, <laughs> I, might, no, it's, I, it's I know. What's that? I know that Lewis Dayton video came out and it shows Helder Costa playing brilliantly the first couple of games of the season. I was like, I think that man's dead. Yeah, he's uh, he's hanging out with Gary Cahill. Is that version? Of that <laughs> but no, that it was it was great to get such a comfortable win, and we are tenth in the league. Yeah, uh, that. I mean, Push it. we're pushing for the playoffs. <laughs> call me, uh, call me negative, but I'd have taken that at the start of the season. I mean, I, I only get my news from and, and opinions from Soccer Saturday, so I was kind of expecting sixth to be the minimum. Yeah, that's true. We we should be challenging. Really, we should be up there. We should be up there with title challenges like Southampton, who were twelfth. And, and West Ham. Yeah, I'm, I cannot believe how what? wrong we were about West Ham. <laughs> what a strange world we live in. Yeah. Um, there have been a couple of transfer links, but it won't take as long because I don't, up until the other day, I'd only heard of one of these and the one I'd heard of, I didn't know anything about. Uh, first one, Tommaso Pabega, who's a 21-year-old centre-mid, plays for AC Milan. He's on loan at Spezia this season, which is his first season in Serie A. By all accounts, playing very well, playing most weeks. Uh, but it's like us, Frankfurt and Leicester have all been having an interest, apparently. But he wants to go back to AC Milan and try and break into the side. So I don't see it happening. But it was in enough places to worth mentioning. And we do need a centre-mid. Yeah. But again... Okay. I don't. I don't know if it'll happen, and I can't. I don't really. I don't even know enough about him to offer an opinion. Really, uh, he. I can't see him playing at AC Milan because AC Milan are playing really well, and they do have plenty of midfielders. Uh, and he is the right sort, but none, neither of these are as strong as that link to a, to that Perot, that left back from Roman Perot. Uh, he was the strongest one, but another left back we've been linked with, who I have heard of. Uh, Matthew Bonswell. He left Forest when he was young, 
and went to Leipzig. Um, he's been on loan at Dordrecht in Holland this season. But this story, and this this one, it was in a few places a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't really pay any attention to it. And now, admittedly, it's Football Insider, but the one thing that they're not bad on usually is youth transfers. And this would be an under-23s transfer. Like that, That's where they seem to be better. And it sounds like he's really pissed off at Leipzig and they're not fussed for keeping him either. So it sounds like he might be able to leave on a free. Uh, apparently, he's like talked to West Ham as well, and a couple of others. Um, we've been linked with no. We've been linked with a few under twenty three left backs, which feels weird to me because we've got plenty, but because we keep being linked with them, I'm thinking that maybe Leeds have identified that as something that they need. I, I suppose wonder, because I'll... Leif Davis for trying to turn into a centre back and. All those other left backs aren't really left backs. Even though, from what I've seen of Niall Huggins, I do think it's his best position. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's. I wonder if the idea is that they're going to look at a short-term solution for a left back next season. For, you know, someone who is maybe twenty-eight, twenty-nine, and think we can get one or two seasons out of them, and then look to bring through a younger one over those couple of years. I mean that Roman Perot from uh, it's Brest, isn't it? Plays for yeah. He uh, I'm just saying now, was... Rome Emperor. Yeah, Ro- yeah, Roman Perot. Uh, he's like 23 and playing every week. He he's been the strongest link thing we've had, but that would be in the summer. But it's a bit like the Robin Cock thing, where really strongly linked for months and months and months. So I wonder if I I, I feel like that one's going to happen, and he would be the mm. long term one. But I wonder if it's because they're thinking we need another young left back because Leif Davis is going to bump, be bumped up one because Alioski might go. Possibly. Um, I suppose at this point when you've got Alioski potent- still potentially leaving, you, you do have to at least have some options lined up. Have you seen Alioski has had the entire Arsenal fan base? I believe the word the, kid, the term the kids use is on strings. Ah, and like the Premier League is 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 a different place to to the one we left, and and obviously yeah. we we kind of left in a pre Twitter world. The the comments I hear from people at times, and and I'm not even going to go into this debate as to what constitutes a big club. Yeah, <laughs> like some people saying you're in your first season, stay humble, like. I don't yeah. think you. I don't think you know how football works, though. It's a very short term. Yeah, and especially with Twitter, no one's going like, "Oh no, no, guys, come on, we've got to be calm here. You've got to establish yourselves in the Premier League three, four years minimum. Then we can start dishing out insults. But as soon as you, as, as soon as you dish out an insult, it's either know your station, or the other one is ah, we've got you rattled now. We're in your yeah. heads. Rattled in your heads, went free, fishing emoji. Like, like I didn't realise if I comment on a team once, oh, oh, they've got to me. Oh, Gabby Bonglar's got it, got me on strings, haven't they? Oh, yeah. the, the bastard. Yeah, the weird thing was, like, they all took it really serious. Oh, they should put those comments up on the wall. It'll fire them up before the game. 
he just made a joke. Oh, great. I get to play against my mate Pepe again. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was such a ridiculous... The reaction to it has been ridiculous. Alex Vincent saying Arsenal need to cling to anything they can this year, being the lowest London club in the table. Are they? I didn't even notice that. No, they were both... I was going to no, say they must be above Palace There are two places above Palace and Fulham is also in London. So, um... I, he means at the end of the season, Alex, I'm going to translate for him. He means at the end of the season, he's expecting Arsenal to lose every game now. And well, just, to, do a just to be sure, drawing. Uh, just to say, Arsenal, if they lose every game this season now, would have 31 points. I reckon that would be enough to finish above Fulham. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a sad state of affairs. Yeah, uh, it was, it's, a, it's a really odd one. And uh, Arsenal fans... I mean, I know a few Arsenal fans, and they're great. I think the majority of them are all right, but Arsenal fans on social media do appear to be a bit of a weird breed. Yeah, there's. I, I mean, there's a lot to be said for for the impact of Arsenal fan TV and and what that has done to the world as a whole. To be honest, yeah, we can have a go at Arsenal fan TV all we want, but what I'd say is, can I swap bank balances with them? Well, you'd be a dirty sellout, but I'm completely, I'm completely open to that concept. Mate, I've got a kid on the way. I'll sell out tomorrow. <laughs> Replace me with Paul Merson if it makes you some money. No, come on. <laughs> There's some limits. Hey, to be honest, these days, Paul Merson would fit right in on Arsenal fan TV. Well, I mean... I would argue that Arsenal fan TV is probably more well informed. <laughs> Oof. I know who I'd rather listen to. I'd rather Paul listen Merson. to Paul hey, Merson. Paul Merson. But, I was going to say Paul Merson is living in your head rent free. He is, but, but yeah. if he but if he sees this clip and calls me someone on social media, I can just go fishing emoji and then I win. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, but will Weeds will Leeds win? Not will Weeds Lynn, as I almost said there on Sunday at half four. I'm really glad it's half four kickoff because I'm on nights and that means that it won't knacker me up too much. Uh, they've changed a fair bit since we played them. They've played a back five at Ellen Road. They won't do that this time. It'll be 4-2-3-1, uh, which kind of plays into our hands, actually. 4-2-3-1 suits us pretty much perfectly in terms of formation for our 4-1-4-1. And they've got Kieran Tierney and Thomas Party out. So in middle of midfield, they'll probably have Sabaros and Xhaka. And at left-back, it'll be Cedric, in all likelihood. Yeah, I wasn't... The last couple of times I saw Cedric, I wasn't particularly impressed with him, to be honest. I felt like he's, he's someone to get at. Um, well, I mean, Cedric versus Rafinha. You're back in Rafinha. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, they, they've kind of had that pick-up since since the win against Chelsea and then have put together a, a, a semi-decent run in that time. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe has kind of been the new youngster to, to pick up some form. and, and uh, His full name is Leeds hero Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah, sorry. Um, promotion hero Emil Smith-Rowe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah he, he's looked quite good, although it'd be, I don't know whether he'll still have that place now with uh, Martin Odegaard coming in mm. uh, or whether they'll just kind of shuffle things. Um, I mean, that, that it's it's more that they're a, sort of attacking midfielders are more worried about than 
kind of Aubameyang and, and Lacazette at the moment. But yeah, well, that on screen, like their front four will be four of Saka, Smith Rowe, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Odegaard, and Pepe. That is yeah. a strong front four, no matter no matter who they pick. I'll just say now they they will pick Cedric at left back in all likelihood. If those were my options and my, and Kieran Tierney weren't available, I'd play Saka at left back. Just and then have Aubameyang left, Pepe right. As much as they Pepe has been playing on the left and playing better, but okay. I'd just go back to that. I'll play I, Odegaard. Or you get Saka playing the Jack Harrison of left back and left winger. Yeah, true. That could work. He's. I mean, he's obviously on elsewhere. I've spoken about how much I. I really rate Bukayo Saka. I think he's he's my favourite player in that Arsenal team at the moment. Um, and he was, I think he was kind of their, still their main outlet after they'd gone down to 10 men at Ellen Road. Like he was essentially getting the ball to him and carrying them upfield. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Bamiang's scoring form has, has kind of deserted him over the last month or so. Um, well, he might he might not even start. He didn't. I know he uh, he had to go it's, back it's for person, personal problems or personal issues, hasn't he? Yeah, his mum was ill, wasn't she? And he had to go back for that, and then he had to quarantine when he got back. But he didn't bother starting him last time. But I suppose they'll be dying to get him back in the team because as much as they did have that good run, the last two games are uh, getting beat two one at Wolves and getting beat one 0 at Villa. So like, I... they, they'll probably want to change things. I'm trying to remember if I remember it earlier. I think it was the Wolves game where I, I came away having watched that, thinking how are, how have Arsenal managed to lose this? Like, I, I thought it was a really dominant performance from them, and just could not finish. Yeah, it, yeah, that one they were a bit lucky. The Wolves game was that was the mental one where they ended up getting two men sent off, didn't they? Yeah, the David Luiz one was a bit harsh, and then Leno just running out and just. Punching the ball away. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this. No. Carl <laughs> uh, Waters just ready to say, hopefully we'll get something out of this game this weekend. Well, hopefully we will, but it won't be easy because of one main reason. It's not that Arsenal have more talented players and a bigger wage oh, budget. I know what it is. We don't have Robbie Gotts this year. It is. It is definitely because we don't have Robbie Gotts, by the way, who, uh, who scored for... I, I nearly said Lincoln then because it just nearly came out of me. Who scored for Salford the other night? Yeah. Um, superstar, mate. Superstar. Yeah, no, like, obviously, that 4 2 3 1, in theory, like, their team, in all likelihood, I'd say is probably like Leno in goal, decent keeper, Bellerin, Rob Holding should be back. I think David Louise is back, and I think Gabriel might not be available. So it's probably them two. Suarez, Xhaka, Ceballos, Saka. The, uh, they interviewed an Arsenal fan like they always do on All Stats, aren't we? And he was saying that he thought Odegaard had start this one instead of Smith-Rowe because the Europa League starts back up. So he thinks he'll rotate it a little bit. I say, would Odegaard be... I know this isn't really our issue, but would Ode, I think Odegaard would be ineligible for them, wouldn't he? So he already played in Europe this season. Yeah, that's why he thinks Erdegaard will play this yeah. one because Smith Rowe's needed for the. I'm not sure if he is because isn't there a thing now where if you played in the Champions League and your team got through, you can play in the Europa League? 
Uh, there was something like that last season because I remember ah, thinking, yeah. I remember watching a game and thinking, I'm sure he should be cup tied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, their uh, their team is a pretty decent side on paper, but they're just not the team that you think of when you think of Arsenal. Like I haven't looked into their underlying stats properly, but from what I've seen written in a few places, they're eleventh now. And that statistically, they're like, you know, the ninth, tenth, eleventh best side. But they're about right based on what they've done. Obviously, the only real question is what we're going to do because Leeds would be unchanged, absolute, without a doubt. But will Calvin Phillips be fit? That's all it comes down for. And what will we do if he isn't? I was going to say, I did see earlier Phil Hay tweeted that Calvin Phillips was looking doubtful for for the Arsenal game, which. Yeah, I mean, for that, given we've not really got any other centre-backs available, do we go back to Ailing in the middle and, and try with strike as holding midfielder again, or do we stick with the back four as it's been? And I think playing fairly well together and just go with Click and Dallas and maybe bring Hernandez in to play the, the more advanced role. Mm. My natural instinct is Strauch and Cooper are playing really well together, so don't break them up. But I think if Phillips isn't playing, the number two in that position in Bielsa's eyes is Strauch. Mm. Especially while there's no Robin Cock, who I think might have ended up being that guy. So I think it will be Strauch, and I think Aileen will move inside. But the weird thing is, because of how Dallas has been playing in midfield. I think it'll be Shackleton comes in and he'll, and I think even though it in my head, right, those two are on the pitch, Dallas plays right back, Shackleton plays in midfield. That is what it should be in my head. I think Shackleton will play right back and Dallas will play middle of midfield. Yeah. What a strange world. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even against that. Dallas, this last couple of games, it's, in midfield has looked it, it's looked exactly like that's his best position all of a sudden which I can't believe yeah he's, he's looking more and more comfortable there with each game and whether it was just the effort that Palace put up but him and Click look fine playing together there Um, yeah like I said I, I think I'd rather see Maybe either Hernandez or, or whether it's Roberts at this point that kind of would get the nod or move Rafinha inside and, and bring Helder Costa in, which is that wouldn't be my choice, no. but no, that wouldn't <laughs> be my choice. But, um, yeah, I would I'd say I agree with you, I'd rather keep the back far as it's been for now, and and you know, especially with Cooper and Shrike play well together and to, to not break that up. I'd say I'd I'd love us to keep them together. I do think that we will break up that partnership if Phillips is out. But if it was me, I'd quite like to keep them together. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of an odd one because I mean, hopefully Phillips is fit, and if Phillips is fit, we'll be unchanged, which we should be based on these performances. But like the thing is that if 
it's not even the individual roles because, like, I think while he's not as good as Phillips, I think Strauch is absolutely fine in DM. I think Erling's been really good at centre back, like way ahead of what I would have expected. But I just, and in theory, Erling and Cooper is a better balance because it's not two left footers. But I just, I think Strauch has been so good and as good, as decent as he is at defensive mid. I think he has the potential to be a really good centre-back. So I just want to see him play there as much as possible. Yeah, I think I said last time out at this point, I think that that shirt is his to lose at this point. You know, I'd feel he was very unfairly done to if if Urente or Cock came back and, and just stepped in and took his place. I think with how he's been doing, I think that's his role at the moment. And unless he has a, a dip in form or one of them has some absolute worldies in training or something like that you know I can't see a reason to take him out yeah it'll be a it'll be a tough game the problem is that I look at these teams and the way they're playing I think they set up like they are now a bit more open and a bit less defensive than they were when we played at Ellen Road and they now play a formation that suits us better than they did when we played at Ellen Road yeah and they've got a couple of key players out and I don't. I think that midfield two of Sabios and Xhaka. I think we can really get at that. And I can look at all of that and think we are really in with a shot of getting a result here. And then I think it's in London, though. <laughs> and you know that is obviously completely illogical and shouldn't matter. But I. I mean, I haven't bothered looking at what the record is this time, but. It is still, we haven't won in London since that 3-1 win away at QPR with the roof hat-trick, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's it's you, ridiculous. Again, again, you think of that game as the roof hat-trick, I, I think of the V-Valve bounce. Yeah. Um, and now I am off I am off the um, reverse psychology picks because I picked us to beat Palace and we did. So I'm going to be really, I'm going to be optimistic for London and I think this is going to finish... To a piece. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see there being goals in this because I, I really don't rate Arsenal's sort of defensive group with the back four and, and kind of the midfielders. I, I, I don't think there's a right lot to it. Um, like you say, I, th- I think Rafinha against uh, Cedric could we could have a lot of luck down there. Um, I I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win for no reason. Yeah. Uh, obviously, last time out, and I was expecting more out of Palace than Magev, I said, I think Leeds will beat Palace, but for what it's worth, I think Leeds are a bit too short with Buckies. This one's the opposite. Arsenal are 5-6 to six for this game. I'm not I'm not sure that they should be odds on. They should be favourites, but they should, I'm not sure they should be odds on. Yeah. That seems... Uh, yeah, that seems very, very, um, very short to me. I was just going to try and find out what the price was for two and a half goals because uh, if it was because I think that the over two and a half. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like leads to win and over two and a half goals is nine to two, and I don't think that's a bad bet. As much as I'm, I don't think we'll win because London. I don't think that's a terrible bet. Um, this one, obviously, again, not that long, but we didn't think it would be. Now that we're doing them more often, there's less things happening. And also, 
there's very little in the way of news at the moment. Yeah, out, out of January now, and and is this this has actually been one of the, the few times we've kind of had in the last couple of weeks that we've we've had uh, almost championship like uh, midweek followed by weekend game. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, it's we. I've. I spent so long getting used to those 46 game seasons and feeling like you're playing all the time. And it took me whew, four weeks of being in Premier League to forget all about it. There's something really nice just going. Like, I, I understand it's probably different once, you, once you're in Europe, but there is something nice about having that break. Just going, way, we, we play on Saturday and then look, we play the next Saturday. Brilliant. I was just going to say, once you're in Europe, because we are going to get there. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Yeah. Will it be this season? No. <laughs> uh, oh. I did actually. That's something that I will mention just before we finish. By the way, Cal Waters has sent us a prediction, even game, but I think Leeds will nick it two-one. Well, fair enough. You know, he's kind of in the middle of our predictions there, so I can't disagree with that too much. Uh, there was something said on that, and the way it was phrased got a couple of people riled up. But the principle of it, I sort of, I agreed with. And basically someone said, I sort of hope we don't get in Europe this season because I think it'd be too soon. The way that he phrased it was, I don't want to get in Europe. And that people took issue with. I want to be in Europe. God, yeah. I'd love us to be in Europe. But I actually think it probably would be better for our team's development if we weren't. If we finished yeah. ninth and then had a real crack and then were able to have a bit more of a crack next season, that would probably be better long term. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I think you go you go back to Zip switching to was it two thousand or two thousand one, the last newly promoted team that, that qualified for Europe. And uh, uh, didn't didn't Wolves finish seventh first season well, and get Europe? I think Wolves got into the Europa League after one season. I thought it was. I thought it might have been second season. But. It, it, it might. It may well have been. Uh, it, obviously, Wolves came up with a team that could have played in the Europa League already. But but you are very much stamping on my point here because uh, Wolves didn't have the decency to get relegated when they qualified. Uh, whereas yeah. Ipswich sunk like an absolute stone with Fanidi George and Martin Reiser. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd, like you say, it would be great to qualify for Europe, but I think one in terms of the playing side of things, it would, I think it could cause a lot of problems. And secondly, I think it does a lot to certain elements of the fan base who we are in the, oh, we've made it into the Europa League, so Champions League next season, yeah? Yeah, there, there would be a bit of that. Where your, your, your brain goes a bit, well, if we're here now... I know that when I get here in Football Manager, the next season I tend to have a title challenge. Yeah. Uh, I've just I've just checked Wolves did finish seventh in the first season at Premier League. Ah, bollocks to them though. Yeah, but we wouldn't have the Portuguese national team. No, we no, just we have we just have Spain's number nine and the best Brazilian since Pele and Helder Costa. <laughs> hey, he's got he's got a Portugal cap. He counts. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be yeah. We just conquer Europe with with those two. Be fine. By the way, because doing because interviews these, in four different languages. Yeah, 
Well, that was another thing that came out today. Apparently, he he talks to Athena in French. It's a lovely Patrick. Yeah, lovely lad. He's he's too nice for his own good. Like when I see him, I just think, I I think you. I want to just protect you. Just, <laughs> just you know, you know when people talk. Just about keep football, the world you? away from Patrick Bamford. <laughs> I will say, there's nothing quite dispels the idea of. Uh, or encourages the idea of football moving away from its working class roots than Pat Bamford talking to a Brazilian in French so they have common ground. Yeah. Um, Mind yeah. you, though, that is, that is one of those things that's, you know, without wanting to be all lefty snowflake about it, being able to speak multiple languages is only something that impresses people if you're rich. If you're poor and you do it because you're an immigrant, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> If you do it because you moved here when you were six and your parents still speak your mother tongue, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's very very isolationist of you. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, but as it this season, I just thought I'd bring up the Europe thing because we're a little bit short on time. I don't think for a second we will, but it would be fun. And after the pandemic, can you you think it's hard to get an away ticket? <laughs> Wait until you're trying to get a ticket to go to Ludogorets. <laughs> my concern is that even if stadiums are still closed the amount of Leeds fans that would travel anyway yeah you care there's no flights fuck it I'll drive to Bulgaria <laughs> it's not far <laughs> <laughs> send me that paperwork now I'll get all 80 pages of it done before we get to Dover it's fine yeah and just singing the whole way and most of them drinking, and the one guy that drew the short straw, it'd be you. You're the one that we'd make you drive the whole <laughs> you, We wouldn't even take shifts of driving, we'd make you drive the whole way. <laughs> and the weird thing is, you'd probably end up wanting to <laughs> know what you're like. Yeah, I'd be okay with that, to be honest. I, I don't mind driving. Well, yeah, I've done, I mean, I've done enough long drives anyway. Yeah. You've barely driven 20 minutes anywhere in the last. I was going to say in the last 10 years, but you've not been driving for... You've had a license, but you've not been driving for most of the last 10 no, years. No, that is very true. Uh, but what we are driving is the end of this podcast into the ground. Yes. So that'll then, that'll do us for episode 106. Uh, hopefully this one should actually get an edit because our editor has moved out and now, I believe, has internet. Yay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that we are good. Uh, we're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod. Uh, MikeWhitesPodcast.com the stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together which is at T-H-I-U it's all L-U-F-C on Twitter and ThroughItAllTogether.SBNation.com we will be back at some point early next week probably Tuesday we believe Tuesday but I'm leaving it open in case it gets moved around because if something happens and it goes well we might need to move it slightly but you know We'll announce that if it happens, because it probably won't, knowing our luck. Uh, so I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one. And uh, that will do us in a bit. Mm-hmm.